Okay, howdy everybody. So I'm going to do something a little different today. It, this won't be a super um, intellectually <laughs> stimulating episode. Um, I want to more so kind of bear my heart to you guys. And that is kind of my, my grief. My grief over our cultural situation, at least as I see it in the United States, the division that we have, the lack of communication that we have, or, you know, even if two people are speaking together, it doesn't mean they're actually communicating well with each other. And this is bringing an immense amount of suffering in the world, emotional suffering, angst, um, and, and also just simply like worry, you know, about the future. Many people are, are very much worried about where our country is going. You know, I, I think people on both sides of the aisle, you could say the, the quote unquote left and the quote unquote right, they both see the country as going down a really horrible path. And I think both sides are correct. This country is going down a horrible path. And, and it's not just our country, it's much of the Western world. Not that the Eastern world is a, is a ton better, but, you know, and I, I, it's best that I not speak about things that I don't know, so I will limit myself to just talking about the West and really just talking about America. But what grieves me most is not so much our secular culture, the church's situation right now, the situation of the Catholic Church. It, it grieves my heart deeply that, f by and large, the vast majority of Catholics and the vast majority, especially, of bishops, of prelates, of priests, are not speaking the truth in love. They're not. And it's, it's horrible. We're, we're letting our own people be crucified interiorly on the cross of our own desires so that we might be fulfilled, you know, and, and gain accolades um, and not be crucified ourselves. We're, we're being Judases, is what we are. The church is being like Judas. In the face of persecution, even though in the United States it's not physical persecution yet, but in, in the face of psychological persecution, being made fun of, being called names, being thought of as an idiot or lesser or bigoted or whatever it might be. We're scared of being called those names and so we therefore acquiesce to the culture. Now I'm not saying that's exactly what it is in every case, in every bishop, in every priest, in every layperson. I think there is a lot of just utter deception going on where people are living from lies and therefore they're living in lies. Okay. Lately, what really kind of struck a chord deeply in me was uh, the division with some of, well, some cardinals in the United States um, have come out in defense of gay marriage, and then particularly the, 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 the schism going on in Germany, the apostasy going on in Germany, is particularly grieving to me. And most especially, you know, the, the, the German synod, uh, I think it's been two weeks now since they came out with their document on allowing uh, same-sex blessings, the, the blessing of, of same-sex unions, okay? 
and, and, and other things as well. But it's been two weeks. We've heard nothing out of Rome, as far as I can tell. And that is just utterly shameful. It's utterly shameful. Not only because uh, the Pope and the Vatican, they, they said that they would follow through with, with disciplining the bishops of Germany if they went down this, this path. They said they would follow through with disciplining them, and they have not yet. Now, that does not mean that they won't. That doesn't mean that they won't. But what it does mean, it's been two weeks. We live in, this is 2023. They know. If I knew, I'm just a random Catholic in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, in the United States. Like, if I found out, surely the Pope knows, unless he's burying his head in the, in the sand. Surely someone in the Vatican knows and should have uh, told the Pope, right? It would be an understatement to say that I'm frustrated. I'm not only frustrated, I'm, I'm scandalized. I'm deeply, deeply hurt by that action, by or lack of action, really, is what it is. Now, before people start going crazy and saying, ah, oh, Parker's doing something insane, my faith is not shaken, not one bit. If anything, it's stronger. But at the same time, I am severely grieved by this situation. And it's crucifying me. It is. It's crucifying me. The situation in the church in the United States in particular is, is very painful, you know, in and of itself. Just the liturgy wars, the, the amount of, of bishops that are just not speaking out against the cultural ills of our day. You know, there are a lot that are, okay, yes. But there are also a lot that are not. And that, there shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be one. But there are at least tens of them who are being silent, if not encouraging the, uh, the secular world in its pursuits to change the church. Okay. And I don't say that because I'm a person that thinks that change is, is, is bad. Change is not bad. What is bad is throwing away our authenticity for the sake of acceptance. That is bad. That's, that's, that's not good at all. That's horrible. And largely over the past 60 years, and, and I would say over the past 100 years, there has been a very slow trend, which was amplified in the 60s and is being amplified now, a very large trend towards acquiescence to the culture, forsaking our identity as Catholics, as the Catholic Church, and just saying, yeah, you know, world, we're going we're gonna to compromise on every little thing possible. Most especially the liturgy. You know, you guys, you guys know, my viewers know that, that, that I love the liturgy. And I want it to be beautiful and wonderful and authentic. And what we've had for the last 60 years has not been that. It hasn't. I think there's a lot of good that can be done in trying to, to doctor up the Novus Ordo. You know, I've, I've said this a lot. And, and make it as close to the... the the 1962 missile, or or even the 1965 interim missile, um, as possible. But but ultimately, you know, I, I think we do need we need to just drop the Novus Ordo eventually. Maybe that's in a hundred years. But I think we do for the sake of continuity. We really do. Anyway, I've I've spoken about that ad nauseum at this point. Go to my liturgy playlist. You'll uh, find all my my thoughts thus far there. The stuff with the liturgy grieves me, you know, and particularly the way that Catholics fight about it. That is shameful. That's shameful. The way that we fight about the liturgy. We can have disagreements. 
I'm not saying that we shouldn't have disagreements. That's perfectly fine to disagree. But oftentimes the ways that, that these liturgical conversations go about on social media is utterly shameful. It is. And that's why I've, you know, on my Facebook page, uh, my Facebook profile, I have wanted to be a, uh, a catalyst for proper dialogue, charitable dialogue, okay, among these, these hot-button so-called issues within the Catholic Church of the liturgy and of morals and of, um, you know, so many different things. Guys, here's the thing. Here's the thing. We are seeing an ultimate cultural collapse, not just outside the church, but inside the church. We're having a, a breakdown of, of, of morals, of virtue. We're having a breakdown in thinking because people are starting with terrible premises and they're leading them to terrible conclusions, ultimately. You know, the, the real, I, I, I think the moment when we started to see this, at least outside of the church, like the, the, the devil rearing his head, was once the transgender movement started to become fully accepted. Because as I've said before, homosexuality is disordered, okay? J just like any other disordered desires we have. My d disordered desire for a woman who's not my wife, that's a disordered desire, right? Homosexuality is disordered. But transgenderism is, is actually insane. It is insanity. It doesn't just, it is disordered. It, it does have to do with disordered desires. But once you get to the point of lopping off parts of your body because of your disordered desires, that is, that is, you have crossed the point of insanity at that point. Or when you start to say, oh, you know, I'm actually a boy when I'm a girl. I'm a man when I'm a woman. Or vice versa. Or saying that I'm a tree when I'm a human being. Or that I'm a wolf when I'm a human being. You know, that, that is the point of insanity. You are, you are literally not living in reality at that point, okay? That, that, that's what it is. You're not living in reality. And that's what I would define as insanity. Someone who is so far gone that they can't even see the reality in front of them. You know, a, a homosexual person, a person struggling, struggling with homosexual tendencies, they see the reality in front of them and they acknowledge it. And, you know, somebody that's, that's well-adjusted would say that they're struggling with their disordered desires, okay? But transgenderism is, is just a whole other level. And certainly there can be those people who, um, you know, are legitimate, legitimately have this sort of, this illness of insanity, right? That we call gender dysphoria. Yeah, oh, that's a real thing, of course. And those people, you know, they need to be looked upon with compassion. Compassion. But compassion does not mean that you allow the person to continue in their suffering. It means you suffer with them. That's what it literally means. Compassio. To suffer with. It doesn't mean to lead them down the road of suffering and applaud them in their suffering and tell them that their suffering is actually good and it's wonderful and it's beautiful. No. That is not compassion at that point. At that point, the person who does that, who, who applauds the suffering of another, that's, that's just utter ill will and, and really hatred of the other person. You know, what it actually is. You might not feel hatred towards the person. Anyway, you, I think you would know, you know what I mean. No need to go down that rabbit hole. But we're seeing our culture fall apart around us. And I think largely many people in the church 
they just want to continue on like it's like it's 1980 or like it's 1960 or like it's 1920. They want to carry on and bury their head in the sand and just say, well, I'm going to continue taking care of my flock by just preaching this little bit of the gospel with all these platitudes that I can, preaching that God is love when, when I'm also, you know, not saying that God is justice. Okay, here's the thing. You can't have love if you don't have justice and mercy. It doesn't work. Love is just and it's also merciful. We need to be calling out the cultural ills where they stand and tell them to repent. And we need to tell ourselves to repent as well, to continually repent. We need to tell each other within the church to repent. We need to stop acquiescing to the modern world. We need to be what we are. We need to, therefore, resurrect Catholic culture. That doesn't mean we need to create a society of you know, 13th century France or something like that. No, 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 no. We're in uncharted territory, people. The church is in uncharted territory. This has never happened. The church has lived in a pagan world before. Yeah, of course, the first three to four centuries were definitely in a pagan world and then little spurts throughout here and there over the last 2,000 years. But the thing was then is the church was growing. The church was new, it was novel when it, react, when it interacted with the pagan world in the past. Now, what's going on? The church is old. It's dying. It's decaying. It's killing itself. And people see that. They see it as inauthentic when we just, when we just bow down to the culture and we tell them that, you know, hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm not going to speak against transgenderism because I don't want to hurt people and because I know that they're going to yell at me and think that I'm crazy and therefore I can't evangelize them at that point if they start to think I'm crazy. No, that's on them at that point. Now, I can't go around bashing people on the head. You know, like I've said before also, truth is communicative. If I were to tell you you're going to hell, that's not truth actually because I don't know that. That's not truth because I don't know that and I'm not able to communicate that to you. I'm not God. Only God can tell you you're going to hell. And, and in a very real way, only you can tell yourself that you're going to hell because you are the one that makes the ultimate choice. Truth is communicative. So we do need to be merciful and we do need to love the individual. We need to. That's not just like, oh, love the individual if you can. No, no. If you're telling somebody the truth and you're not doing it in love, then it's not really truth. It's a fact at that point. Just a, a cold fact. That's all it is. It's good. It's better than a falsehood better than lying to them. Okay. It is. It is better than lying to them. It's it's better than saying, you know, oh, oh, you're struggling with transgenderism. Well, then you just you just go on continuing on with your desires and you do what you want. That's a lie. That's a lie. And so th that is definitely worse than the person giving a truth without love. Okay. At least when you're spewing cold hard facts, you're spewing the truth. You're, spe you're spewing facts. You're, spe you're not leading someone astray by the content of what you're saying. But the way that you're saying it can lead people astray. And that needs to be, we, we need to be very clear on that. And I think most people understand that. Most of us don't struggle with speaking the truth blatantly. Most of us don't struggle with that, I think. Because we've been beaten over the head for too long in this culture. Most of us struggle with not speaking the truth at all. That's what most of us struggle with, is being afraid 
to speak the truth in love, being afraid to do it even just a little bit. So I want to exhort you, my brothers and sisters, I want to exhort you, do not be afraid. In the words, in the words of John Paul II, do not be afraid. We have a lot going against us right now, from without and from within the church. And we need to call particularly those in the church to repentance because they will kill it. They will destroy it. Not that they ever can truly destroy it, but they will gosh darn try and they'll do a lot of damage. And they are doing a lot of damage. And they need to be called out for it. They do. It doesn't mean that we need to call out individuals in particular. You know, I think calling out individuals in particular is for those people who know the individual, okay? I guess there could be certain instances where, yeah, I think there's definitely certain instances where um, individuals need to be called out publicly by the public at large, okay, there is. But we do need to be a little more prudent about how we call individuals out, okay? But it does need to be done. It does need to be done, okay? I will say that. It's crazy times, guys. Pray, fast, give alms, do what you can, and we'll try to make the world a better place. We'll try to make the church a better place. All right? All right. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. God bless.